Welcome to Murder Most Foul, a podcast devoted to exploring famous murder cases of our time. Some solved, some unsolved, but all fascinating and guaranteed to raise the hairs on the back of your neck. I'm your host, Jim Solonowski. Today's episode... Inside the Warren Commission. Sixty years ago this year, President John F. Kennedy was assassinated in Dallas. Not quite two weeks after the tragedy, the Warren Commission, established by President Johnson, was launched to investigate the incident and report its findings to the American people. The committee stated in publishing its findings that, quote, the assassination of John Fitzgerald Kennedy was a cruel and shocking act. This report endeavors to appraise this tragedy by the light of reason, to present to the American people an objective report of the facts, unquote. Simply put, did they succeed? Join me today as we attempt to answer that question by going inside the Warren Commission with William Vanderkloot, writer and director of the film by the same title, available this month on your local PBS station. Welcome, William. Good morning. So, let us start with a little bio background. My guests always like to know a little bit about you. I know because I've done my research that you're uh, a filmmaker, and I'm not sure if that's all you're doing, uh, but uh, tell me a little bit about your company, uh, what maybe some of the things you've done before, and sort of what brought you to this project. I've been in the film business for now 45 years, um, so I've done a little bit of everything. I've um, produced feature films. I've directed hundreds or if not thousands of commercials. I have produced documentaries. Um, and I, I love documentaries because I'm a naturally curious person. And so filmmaking is a great uh, job for me. And, and documentaries are perfect because I can find out, I can delve into the research and find out things that I, I want to know. And um, I, in fact, created a whole series of, of educational videos for younger people about th how things work from a submarine to you know uh, a newspaper to a national park uh all behind the scenes i love going i love knowing what's behind the closed door and so uh that's why i love documentaries but i've I, I built a studio in atlanta called magic lantern which i sold a, a number of years ago and now i'm concentrating totally on um on documentary films and the way I got involved in, in this film is that I, I attended a, um, a talk at the University of Georgia Library, which has the collection of Senator Richard Russell. Um, and when he, he was a very powerful senator during the um, uh, early part of the 20th century. And um, when his papers were moved from Washington, before they were moved, the National Archives went through them to take out anything related to the Warren Commission, because he was one of the seven members of the Warren Commission. 
However, his filing system befuddled them, and many of the things that they planned to remove actually made it down there uh, to um, the University of Georgia Library. And so in this presentation, Charles Campbell gave a overview of the materials at the library related to the Warren Commission and other, other things. And I was just fascinated by it. And I thought, wow, with all this firsthand information, this, would, uh, this is great fertile ground for a documentary. Well, and again, I want to point out to my listeners, first of all, it's the, this year is the 60th anniversary of the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, I don't want to be flipped, but how time flies. Um, as I was mentioning to Bill before we started recording, I was 12 years old um, when, when JFK was assassinated, but it's still burned into my brain. And this, uh, the, the uh, documentary, though it does go into a bit of the evidence or the facts, if you will, which are all disputed, but the facts that came out right after and have been coming out for 60 years. Um, but the bigger, the, the, the focus of the documentary and our discussion today is the actual Warren Commission, which I have a list here with little bullet points of things I never knew. I never knew these, even the details about the case or details of how the Warren Commission was formed and, and operated. So we could approach this if we wanted to, uh, not worrying about magic bullets and, and the men on the knoll, uh, the grassy knoll and all that, by simply saying, if we want to steal from the clue game, it was Oswald in the book depository with a Carcano rifle. Yep. Over. Yep. So that, I mean, you can just, you can still approach this, watch this with that. You don't have to sit there and have even opinions. So let's go back to, um, which I think is important, um, the actual day that it happened, because a lot of things by authorities, simply moving the body to, to Washington and all that stuff about whether it's a federal crime or a state crime, uh, without going into, okay, he was shot and then he went here, he went there. We all know that. We've all seen the Zabruder film. But tell us about the steps that some people would maybe think were just, yeah, but they really impact the Warren Commission and our knowledge of the assassination. Well, I think the um, probably the first thing is the FBI investigation. Immediately after the body was taken, I mean, there's there's loads of things going on with the body. You know, the, they almost came to fisticuffs uh, between the Texas authorities and the federal authorities because uh, at the time there was there was no federal law against killing the president. So if Oswald went to trial, it would have been as a Texas murder. But anyway, the body's back in Washington and the FBI is launching the largest investigation that they had ever done up to that point. And, and it it's really the largest it, other than 9-11. It was an immense, I mean, they had hundreds of agents everywhere, all over the country, interviewing everybody to prepare a report for the president. And they, and Johnson, you know, is thrust into the presidency. And what he wants to do is make sure that he is reelected to the presidency the next year. So he's he is viewed by many people as an illegitimate president because he wasn't elected. He was simply vice president and the president was assassinated. So what he wants to do, he keeps the cabinet the same, but he wants to get you know, the whole assassination behind him so he can actually start his own legislative uh, slate of things to do. So he, he, a number of people have said to, said to him, 
you need to form a commission. And he's thinking, no, I don't. Uh, I, I, the FBI report is fine. But finally, people get to him, including uh, Senator Russell, and say, a lot of people are not going to believe the FBI's report. You need to have a bipartisan group of unimpeachable people who will look at the facts and come to their own conclusion. And so within two weeks after the assassination, he changes his mind and he decides, okay, that we're going to have a commission with these seven people. It's going to be run by Chief Justice Warren, uh, who is a, and uh, who is a hero um, to the liberals because of, especially because of the civil rights um, uh, uh, opinions uh, of his court, especially Brown versus Board of Education, um, which really changed everything in the country. Uh, it was a momentous decision. Um, and then he put his best friend, Richard Russell, Senator Russell, who was probably the most powerful uh, senator in the Senate at that time, um, and also Johnson's one of Johnson's best friends. They had lunch privately together every week. Um, they shared Christmas uh, Sunday dinners with each other. Um, and Russell was considered one of the foremost conservatives in the country. So Johnson figured, well, I can get Warren on one side and Russell on the other. And if they both submit a report, why it'll it'll add credibility to the whole venture. And so that is basically the background of setting up the Warren Report. Nobody except for Gerald Ford actually wanted to be involved in that um, in that endeavor. In fact, uh, he had to twist um, Chief Justice Warren's arm so much that he was in tears in the White House um, to to take on the um, the committee. And then for Russell, he. Even though he asked Russell if he would be on the committee and Russell said no, a week later he puts out a press release with Russell's name on it, and so he couldn't back out. So Johnson was a master at twisting arms and getting what he wanted, and he did. Uh, you are the writer and producer, um, a writer and director of, mm -hmm. of this. I'm sure somewhere in there you're... You, we were given the name producer too, but this is your documentary. If if you say tone and, and you edit it too, I believe. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, and again, uh, I will say this now and say it later too. Uh, documentaries can be very dry. This one is not. It has some great video footage. I mean, oh, uh, the role at the end of all the archive, all the people you had to thank. Oh my God, I, I, oh, my eyes were crossing. But it's um, the you know the regular we have all the standard stuff, but you had um, you know stills and and some of the I guess is the proper term animation mm -hmm. or graphic movement or whatever was was so sharp. Now you might have had someone. I bet there was maybe someone who was was whispering some of this in your ear. Or did it all come out of your crazy brain? <laughs> no, I. Uh, you know, all filmmaking is uh, collaborative ventures, and so I work with um, a lot of very talented artists and uh, technicians, and so um, people I've worked with for decades, literally. Right. And so the uh, the the motion graphics were created by James Powell, who is somebody I've known for. Uh, we've worked together for easily two decades and um, and 
you know, I told him what I wanted and I know that they all, he always exceeds my expectations. So now again, as we get some of this, again, it's not in the weeds, but it's, it's the, the interesting intricacies of the, the commission, what it did, what it failed at doing and how, again, because of the, the primary source uh, that you had and the, uh, obviously the archives and whatnot to, to just ask the questions. I said, well, why didn't they do this? Why didn't they, they do that? Or the people who wanted it wrapped up Oswald alone. Is that, is that a, a concise way to put it? Yes, initially that's what they um, uh, focused on. In fact, there's that famous memo um, written by Katzenbach, who um, uh, said that these are the things we need to do. And and many times that memo is uh, is misinterpreted as these are the marching orders. But what he wanted to say is is whatever we do, it has to be believable, and everything needs to be on the table, which I think is a lesson that we still are learning with uh, government you know it's that people can handle the truth you just need to give it to them and um uh anyway so yes uh but if you'll one of the things that i one of the uh the primary sources that we have are senator russell's uh extemporaneous notes uh during the first meeting of the warren commission which was december 5th only really almost two just two weeks after the um assassination and what he writes is um, something strange is happening. They're focusing only on Oswald. This is unacceptable. Need outside counsel. Because uh, at the first meeting, Warren really wanted to say, you know, let's just take the FBI report, read it, put a stamp of approval on it and be done with it. And he got a lot of pushback, not just from Russell, but from a lot of the other members who said, no, the FBI's report might be self-serving. We need to do our own investigation. And that's, that's where that, uh, that happened. What I know about the Warren Commission is that Earl Warren was the head of it. I, again, I never got into the, I mean, when, the, when the, they're all signed, showed up up there, and Gerald Ford? Mm -hmm. Okay. Also, I had this image, Now I know it does come out in the documentary, that a lot of the work, some would say most of the work was done by the staff lawyers. Yes. And that's yes. the panoply of, you know, 6,000 people. But it was this very small, uh, compact. And it's also pointed out as it moved forward, several meetings, I guess they didn't have a quorum a necessity. So, you know, half the people weren't there at least. Right. Maybe even it was just Earl there with his, with his, <laughs> well, who wants coffee? So, <laughs> you know, and there's a, there, you know, if you want to get into little conspiratorial things, there was a, um, there's a stenographer uh, and, and taking whatever. And uh, the final reporter, Dave, a final executive meeting, whatever, that she's there, there's a picture of her, but there's no, no report, no, no uh, right. verbatim uh, transcript. Right. You know, so whether that's just oops, uh, why she'd be sitting there again, it's not filmed. So we don't see if she's doing her little finger right. thing, but she's there with her machine and you went through the archives and, and there's no, all the other transcripts are there, but there's no transcript of this. So that is, again, that's why these things happen. And people then, it was aliens from Mars and whatnot when it's not. Um, 
So let's talk about at this point a little bit too of some of the other um people that you do cover and things that I did not know. We've talked about LBJ's um agenda or or what he's looking for. Mm-hmm. Hoover Hoover is a, a strange, crazy man. And 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 again, you pointed out you're not the first that he had dossiers on everyone. You did not cross Hoover. You did not, you know, it's just talk about, you know, scary government. So, but his power, uh, an unelected official, his power, uh, and LBJ's. Uh, Certainly Robert Kennedy had a great influence on the Warren Commission. Um, In fact, uh, you know, um, Robert Kennedy and Lyndon Johnson were like oil and water. They, they not only disliked each other, they detested each other. And, um, but Johnson, again, in this year and a half that he's president, before he's elected president, needs to keep every, needs to just continue the Kennedy banner and did whatever he could to accommodate uh, Robert Kennedy. Um, and so Robert Kennedy suggested two of the, Two of the people who are on the Warren Commission, um, he, uh, John McCloy and um, uh, Alan Dulles, and which is really surprising because Alan Dulles was head of the CIA uh, during the disastrous Bay of Pigs invasion and uh, was was subsequently fired by President Kennedy. So why would you put him on the on the committee investigating your brother's uh, death? Well, I don't know, know that, but that's certainly fertile ground for conspiracy theories. Uh, two of the things you brought up that on Earl Warren, only he saw the op- autopsy photos. Right. And that at the end of it all, he wanted the, all the files shredded. Let's talk about that. Well, th- that's one of the um, things that um, I, so many of these things, I was never a um, uh, someone who paid much attention to the other than as you, I was 11 years old when, when it happened, and it's seared into my memory, the, the whole assassination. Um, but the fact that Earl Warren wanted to destroy and get rid of all the files, he felt that, you know, we don't want to re- relive this, we'll just get rid of all of them. And the, the, the historian in the Warren Commission, Alfred Goldberg, um, panicked when he heard that, because he said two things. One, this is history. And it needs to be preserved for future generations. But secondly, if you destroy it, you're you're launching all kinds of conspiracy theories because people say, well, what are you trying to hide? And so um, uh, Goldberg was with the Pentagon. Um, and many of the staff members who came over were from the Pentagon because they needed security clearance to um, do all the investigation. And, and uh, Senator Russell, was chairman of the Armed Services Committee and, and was very and 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 Goldberg had known him. So he went to Senator Russell and said, you need to tell, you need to, we need to prevent this from happening. And and Russell met with Warren and um and got that uh got that changed. Uh and so now we're we have those documents because of that.
Now, t- tell us about you know there. It, it does come up in the in the, the documentary again. People would have, at the time maybe know what was going on, but um, that people were called before to testify. Various people and the FBI had their people testifying, and but the CIA was very reluctant, and I guess they sort of you know did yes no answers, but did not offer. Um, uh, what they knew, and they they're saying, "Well, I didn't lie. I just didn't tell them. They didn't ask the question." Now, that's true, right? I mean, that is true. Um, as as uh, Richard Helms has said later, you know, if they asked us a question, we answered it, but we didn't volunteer a damn thing. And uh, the 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 whole uh, assassination program uh, uh, that the CIA was was operating to get rid of Fidel Castro was only known to a handful of of people in the administration. And Johnson never learned about it. He was kept out of the loop because he was he was not really part of that, the Kennedy administration in that he was there simply to get votes for for the South, from the South. Um, And uh, he only learned about the um, assassination program in 1967 when he read uh, a a newspaper article that quoted a CIA director alluding to something like that, and he said, "Wait a minute, what is that?" And it, and uh, so it was only known for to a few people, but you'd be you'd think that they would talk about something like that, uh, at least tell the Warren Commission because that could uh, features very prominently in a in an investigation. I mean. We were in a Cold War. The Cuban Missile Crisis happened literally a year before all of this happened. And we were on the brink of nuclear war because of the, the missiles in Cuba. So, my gosh, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a bit of evidence that they'd need to know? And the CIA kept it under wraps. Now, another thing that came out that, again, it's not, uh, no offense, you didn't, I don't think you discovered it, but you certainly brought it to us in the documentary, um, was shocking, things that they weren't told. And it's mm-hmm. almost one for one, what they weren't told becomes the conspiracy. Exactly. Uh, so if you're not told about the, Bay of, or told about Castro being, oh, so all the people come out and go, look, yeah. it was Castro because they wanted to kill Kennedy before Kennedy killed Castro. Oh, there's one. And then anything else about this, that, whatever. So what if they tried to do? And even if they had good intentions, they actually made it worse. One right. example, tell us about the letter, the threatening letter by Lee Harvey Oswald. And correct me if I'm wrong, they were not aware of it at the time, the Warren Commission. Correct. They were not aware of it at the time. Um, uh, this, uh, What happened is... Um, since Oswald was a defector to the Soviet Union, and he came back with his his wife, um, who was a Soviet citizen, uh, the FBI kept track of him, and they would periodically send agents over to his house. And what happened is one day he he went uh, an agent went over to his house, and he wasn't there, but his wife was there, and she mentioned it to him that, oh, the FBI agent came by um, to check in, and he he became furious, and he went down to the FBI office and asked for the agent's, the agent name. Well, the agent was out, so he left a note, a threatening note to the agent um, 
uh, and gave it to the secretary at the FBI office. And basically what it said um, is that, you know, if, if you ha hassle my wife again, I'm going to blow up this whole damn building. And um, so uh, this was discovered 10 years later by Tom Johnson. Now, Tom Johnson uh, was a special assistant to President Lyndon Johnson, no relation. But he also was the president of CNN. He was also the publisher of the Dallas Times-Herald. And in this case, he he was at a dinner one night and he asked an FBI, a senior member of the FBI, he said, well, is there anything about the, the assassination that hasn't been covered? And the, the guy said, yeah. He said, this, <laughs> you know, a few weeks before the assassination, this guy, Oswald, comes by. Now, remember, a few weeks before the assassination, no one knows who Lee Harvey Oswald is, other than he's a defector and he came back to Dallas to live. So, so Tom Johnson finds out about this and says, I can't believe this. So he said, I need to make sure this is true. So he immediately sets up a meeting with the director of the FBI in Washington and goes there and says, here's what I found. Now you tell me if it's not true, I won't publish it. But if it is true, you know, we're going to go with it. And a few weeks later, they said, go ahead and go with it. We're sorry. We're so sad, but it is true. And but what happened is as, as soon, back up again. Okay, he leaves this letter for the secretary, threatening letter. The agent comes back, finds the letter, puts it in his desk drawer. I mean, who's Oswald? Nobody knows who he is. Uh, suddenly, <laughs> the assassination happens. They arrest Lee Harvey Oswald, and he pulls out the letter out of his desk and says, oh, my gosh, what do I do with it? He goes to his supervisor, Gordon Shanklin, and says, what do I do with it? Shanklin calls Washington. FBI says, get rid of it. Um, they flush it down a toilet. And all that was uncovered by Tom Johnson, and, it was, and the FBI confirmed all of that uh, later, ten, 10 years later. So, I mean... Had the FBI and the Secret Service known that Oswald was making threats, there is no way that they would allow him to be, you know, they would have taken, you know, been watching him. And the assassination would certainly wouldn't have happened that day. So the commission, obviously, now that we have we they had the assassin and, of course, they had the body of the assassin by the time they met. Right. And so they had him and could do discussions. H how much did they delve into Ruby? The investigation was broken into six areas, and one of them was uh, the killing of Oswald by Ruby. And so they, they dealt a, a, a good deal uh, with with Ruby. Did they come up with with anything that's definitive? Uh, well, no. What what um, really what was definitive is if you look at all the evidence, and they did a timeline of everything that happened. Um, the evidence points to exactly you know the simplest explanation is the best. Um, there is just no way that you can look at Ruby and say that he was hired by somebody to get rid of Oswald and that because, I mean, if you just take the timeline alone, um, 
uh, and, and the type of person Ruby was. Remember, he had a hair trigger temper, always carried a pistol because he carried cash. He ran two strip clubs in Dallas. And um, on the Sunday that they were moving Oswald, first, uh, the suggestion was that they move him at two or three in the morning, Sunday morning, uh, to the from the downtown jail to the jail outside of town. Um, but the detectives wanted to be on TV, so they changed it to 9 a.m. when all the TV cameras were there in the um, uh, outside uh, the uh, police station. Um, but so so if Ruby, so they was planned at nine o'clock. Well, if Ruby was planning, it was hired by somebody to get Oswald, he would have been there at nine o'clock. Well, he wasn't. He was he was asleep by it then because um, he had been up all night. He was to totally, totally distraught over the assassination. He loved Kennedy. Um, so and and what happened is instead of moving Oswald at nine o'clock, at, somebody at the last minute said, we want to do one more interview with him. So it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And all the news crews are just standing there. And, and uh, they finally decide they're going to move him around. He gets out of the interview around 1130. Well, at 1130, Ruby is across the street at the Western Union office, wiring money to one of his strippers who needed money for rent. Okay, he is $24. Now, and then he looks over as soon as he, he uh, and that's all, you know, you confirmed uh, the exact time that he was there and, and, and wired the money. And he looked over across the street and said, hmm, there's a lot of uh, activity over there. I'm going to check it out. And he checks it out, literally walks in there. Oswald walks out. He is just furious. His hair trigger temper goes. He's got his pistol. He shoots him. Um, to me, that is very logical. If you read about Ruby and how hair trigger temper he had, it, it, it makes perfect sense. Now, I mean, I, I approach this whole thing as a skeptic. I, I was never an aficionado of the assassination. I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't read all the book. I have now, but I, but before then I have didn't read any of the books or any of that stuff. And so I'm totally skeptical of all of this, but when, and I assume the Warren commission was all wrong and until I read it, but I hadn't read it. And most people who think it's wrong, haven't read it. Um, and so if new information comes out, I'm I'm still a skeptic, and I'll change my opinion. But uh, as as far as hard evidence, if you look at hard evidence, um, there's no way that Ruby could have been hired by somebody to get rid of Oswald. It just doesn't make sense. Now, how how what was the exact uh, the the approximate timeline of the Warren Commission? You know, from beginning to report. The, their first meeting was um, uh, December fifth, sixty three. And the report was issued on September 24th, 64. So it was, um, you know, a nine month or a 10 month um, uh, uh, process. And um, and out before the election. Oh, yes, that was that was absolutely hanging over everyone's head, uh, especially the young staff who said they work literally round the clock because Johnson said it has to be out before the election.
it needs to be over. It needs to be in the rearview mirror by the election. And and as you show with, again, great graphics of uh, various tabloids and regular newspapers at the time, it, it did the opposite. As soon as people looked at them or people, it's always third down. Well, I read it and this is what's in there. You know, and so they're all going, what about the the, the magic bullet? And what about the people on the grassy knoll? And what about uh, the mobsters and Frank Sinatra yeah. and God oh, yeah. knows who else? Uh, so it did the opposite. Mm-hmm. Now, we're also, we can all say, well, like you said, read the report. There it is. Uh, you know, these five, six guys came together, no women, uh, came together and said X, Y, Z, and it's all fine. But it wasn't fine, right? I mean, there was some dissent. Uh, yeah, there was very much a dissent. Um uh, for a number of reasons, um, uh, the la- at the last meeting, uh, executive committee meeting, uh, Senator Russell um, uh, filed a dissent, and it wasn't just a, a quibble. He literally wanted to write a minority report, um, and uh, there were two reasons why. One, one, one is that they said the um, the staff was convinced there was no conspiracy. And wanted and flat out said that, but um, Russell said you really can't say that because we haven't looked at Soviet archives or Cuban archives if if indeed they were involved in that. So we can't rule out a conspiracy, and it needs to. We need to say that. And and they did make that change. Uh, his other problem with it was the single bullet. He didn't believe he 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 was good friends with Conlon, and Conley said, this is what happened. You know, it, the president was shot, then I was shot, then the president was shot again. So those are the three shots. Conley had his own bullet. Um, and uh, Russell believed Conley and Conley's wife, uh, who um, said that, you know, it wasn't the same bullet, it was a separate bullet. And um, and so that the um, then the report has changed which kind of dilutes the the report itself and makes it a little unclear. Um, and um, it, and many people, myself included, think that Connolly was wrong. I mean, this the single bullet, if you if you look at all the evidence, the single bullet makes uh, perfect sense. Help my audience again. It's in other places, but I got you here. We can put it all in one place. Why does three are three shots a problem? Because they felt that there's no way he could get off three shots. Well, uh, really, the problem is the Zabruder film, because as Susan Sontag said, you know, uh, image usurps reality, and they thought that yes, it does document a certain portion of what happened, but it doesn't. It doesn't show all of it. And since it's silent, you know, we're so used to things that you can hear a gunshot or you could get, you have to look at people's reaction. And, um, and, and so w- one thing is that if there are many, many um, stories about people getting shot who react seconds later after they've been shot. In fact, um, John McCloy, member of the Warren Commission, testified in front of the um, uh, the uh, Congressional Assassination Commission that twice in his life he was standing talking to someone who was shot. 
once in World War I, and once as he was a high commissioner of Germany after, uh, after World War II. And both times, the, it took multiple seconds before the person actually said, you know, oh, I've been shot. In fact, the, the second time, uh, he, w- uh, he was talking to a lieutenant um, and in the army planning, planning for Harry Truman's um, uh, appearance at, in Berlin. And some guy was cleaning his gun incorrectly, and he shot this guy. And the guy said, oh, my gosh, you know, I think I've been shot. And, and so when people look at the Zabruder film, they see, oh, his hand went up to his neck. Oh, that's the moment he was shot. Well, you don't know that. Um, and so uh, people are taking second by second by second and saying, okay, his hand went up here. Or he leaned forward here. That's when that shot went off. We know when the third shot went off because it's his. It hit him in the head, and it blew blew um, blew his brains out. But the um, uh, the other shots you you don't know. And in fact, if you look at the Zabruder film, I think Max Holland, who I interviewed in the film, a historian, really has has a the the best theory I think for all of it, and that is that the first shot was deflected by something probably a um a stanchion for a traffic light and that's the one that hit the curb um where where teague was standing which is which you know that that's documented a bull a bullet fragment hit a curb where he was standing james teague well if you look at the zabruder film the the very first frame when they're when they're coming in all the secret service agents are looking down on the ground that's that makes perfect sense that they they were here the ricochet hitting the the curb and also the placement of the shells in the um uh school book depository the first photograph of the shells um because the first shot went off down like here so the shell was off to the right there's a tree uh, next to the stanchion of the uh, of the traffic light, so he, Oswald had to wait until the car cleared the tree. Then the next two shots, the the shells are right right there, just exactly where you would where you would be, and um, and then the the single shot going through is um, I know that's probably the most um, uh, debated thing uh element in this whole thing and it, it does sound crazy but if you slow take it apart and look at it and also um 10 years ago they did I- extremely accurate tests to show uh that you could shoot a bullet through soft tissue and that the bullet doesn't have to hit a bone in order to break it the shockwave of the bullet bre- breaks the bone. And so, um, and Connolly was not sitting in a seat the same height as the president. He was in a jump seat, much, much lower. He was, he was almost crouched down. So uh, the bullet didn't have to go up and down. I mean, the, the, whole, the whole, whole thing is crazy because if you look at, you look at the exact position, it's perfect for going through the neck and then Connolly, it didn't hit any bones. It just went through them. 
and then lodged through his wrist and then into his um, thigh. And if you look at the bullet, it's called the pristine bullet, but it's not pristine. Pristine means untouched. It's like perfect. Um, if you look at the side view of the bullet, it's, 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 it's like somebody stepped on it. It's very flattened on one side. It didn't hit anything hard. Uh, face value didn't mushroom like bullets. And so that's why people think, oh, well, it didn't mushroom, so it didn't hit anything. No, a bullet can go. He used he used military ammunition, full metal jacket, which goes right through um, people. It's considered more humane than um, just um, a hollow point uh, bullet. So if, if you take all of that into consideration, um, it makes perfect sense. The first shot missed, second shot hit the two people, and the third shot was the kill shot that hit the president and killed him. Did you, in, in putting this together, did you have anyone who actually went up, someone went, you know, went up and, and just focused the rifle on, was that anyone from the commission or everyone from the commission? Did they take a field trip to the book depository? Did they? Oh yes, they did. Yes, they did, and um, they 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 all all of them went to Dallas on two different occasions, um, and um, and they did sit in the sixth floor window. They did use that rifle and and focus down. And one of the things, if you've never been to Dealey Plaza, it's really small. It looks so much bigger on TV, um, it, and with a with a four power scope. I mean, you can get a head and shoulder shot. I mean, you see a head and shoulder shot of a limousine going 11 miles an hour. And also, it's it's going almost directly away from the window. So it's not, you don't have to pan the rifle. It's literally a, a, a lineup shot. And the other thing is that Oswald was, they said Oswald was a terrible shot. No, Oswald wasn't a terrible shot. He was... Uh, the, the Marine Corps has three different designations. They have marksman, sharpshooter, and expert. He was a sharpshooter, not a marksman. His second, he, he took two rifle tests. His first rifle test, he was a sharpshooter. And his last, his second rifle test was just before he was dishonorably discharged. He has a bad attitude and uh, he was a marksman. And so people grab onto that and say, oh, well, he was a terrible shot, so he couldn't have, he couldn't have done it anyway. Um, and and, and no, none of that is true. He was also a member of a hunting club when he was in um, the Soviet Union, and he would go out hunting. Uh, so, I mean, it, he, he was, he was a, a, a decent marksman. Well, well I, I'm assuming, or my memory is that it wasn't uh, semi-automatic, right? You had to... No, it was a bolt, bolt action. Yeah. So you had to do the bolt all three right. times. Yep. Right. You, well, not three times, twice. Right. There was already yeah. he already with a bullet. In, yes. in theory, he would have a bullet in the chamber. In the in the right. Yeah. Right. Twice. And twice um, and and if you you look at the time that uh, the car was at a certain place, and between the shots, people take the um, the amount of time just from the Zabruder film. Um, but the Zabruder film doesn't show the whole assassination. And it it has 6.8 seconds or something like that. And so people say, oh, you, he, he couldn't have fired three shots in that time, although experts have done that. Um, but 
if if you take it from where the the first shot happened where so many people have said it does then it becomes 11.8 seconds which is plenty of time um to to do that to get off the three shots now uh, fast forward we do we should mention of course uh because the the warren commission not only didn't set out to, didn't accomplish what it set out to do to to close it off from the press years after but then there was also the house select committee on right. assassinations which i'm not sure if you cover a little bit in the dot but it, it's there so let's talk about that comes later um what was the uh you know who was behind that making that like we got to do this i know i think it also had martin luther king maybe yeah uh, it, so was, it, wasn't it just... was called the house select committee on assassinations and they wanted to relook at the assassination of president kennedy as well as the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And they went uh, through that. And, um, and that's, that's where a number of the, the, they basically confirmed everything in the Warren Commission. And they left open two things that have since turned out to be um, nothing. And one is um, there was a, a police radio that was, um, uh, the um, uh, the microphone was left on, and they thought the police. It, they thought they heard four shots in in that. So they had they had a whole group from MIT uh, audio forensic people looking at it, and and then it finally turned out that uh, that police motorcycle wasn't even in Dealey Plaza it was somewhere else so they heard car horns or something like that and the other thing is is that the um uh, uh a number of people on the the uh, house committee did did believe the mafia had something to do with it and they but they there was still no evidence i mean like all conspiracy there's a kernel of truth but there's no connection there's no line connecting the the two yes this person's a bad person or this person didn't like Kennedy, but you know, it's hard to get from there to there. And and so as we're sort of wrapping up here, um, which you know, uh, first of all, again, ladies and gentlemen, got to see the documentary. Well, you'll tell me a little bit about how it's being uh, distributed in a moment. But uh, however it comes, eventually, I'm sure it will stream, or you can buy a DVD of it, or YouTube. Certainly, watch it if if you're gonna if you never see another film then you won't see this one but you should so uh, i want you to, to go out and see that but um uh what what is your feeling now about well first of all i think you said a little bit a while ago that you do believe uh you do believe in the the oswald only you don't see at this point any evidence uh that's been proven to you either what you knew before or what through your your uh research for this uh film that um mafia or castro or lbj or hoover anything like that uh that it's it's fairly straightforward a guy who was pissed off uh at kennedy and angry about the government and everything else uh you know still it's it's going quite a way to get your gun and find out where he's going to be but hey people do that and he did that um and that's that's where you stand now correct uh that's correct um, and, and again, I approach this as a skeptic and I'm always skeptical. And, uh, so if new hard evidence comes out, I could, I could easily change, change my opinion. 
but after 60 years, um, I'm really not sure we're gonna we're gonna find any any new evidence um, that will hard. And what I mean by evidence, I mean hard evidence, like um, physical evidence, not somebody's repressed memories or shadows in the trees or a puff of smoke or any of that. Um, th that isn't real evidence. Um, and so, um, yes, were there lots of, I think, I think with the Warren Commission, you can perhaps keep two opposing thoughts in your mind at the same time. One, it was a flawed investigation. Human beings are flawed creatures. Um, I, I don't know about any, any, any human endeavor that's flawless. Um, at the same time, they got the big things right. Oswald acted alone and he made, shot three times from the sixth floor of the te Texas School Book Depository. This coming out, or not certainly just by you, but anybody about how the commission came together and what marching orders it was given does make us suspicious of government. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, and there, I think you put it is in the documentary that now again, we're on the cusp for it. Actually, it started right the Vietnam War. So we went right from this where everyone liked conspiracies and say, oh, look, the Warren Commission was out there to fool us. Then we get Vietnam. So trust, belief in government. Yes. Uh, the Really, if you look at the data, uh, trust in government started to decline immediately after the Warren report came out. And it's continued from there. And I... Uh, and if you look at the, the, the Warren Commission is almost at the intersection of so many cultural forces that were happening during that time. You have the Cold War between the U.S. and the Soviet Soviet Russia. You have the uh, the, uh, the increasing um, uh, battles in Vietnam. You, uh, the Gulf of Tonkin uh, incident happened just before the Warren report was released. You also have the building of the, the civil rights um, movement. You have uh, the, the March on Washington happened only months before the assassination. And so you have all these forces which resonated throughout the 60s and, and probably reverberate today. And it's all centered around that whole trust of, you know, do we trust our elected officials or, and or the institutions that make up the government. So tell uh, my audience then, because I do want them to see this, tell how it's being uh, distributed at this point, which again, as I say, uh, you know, even the big movies end up on streaming services ultimately but uh, where is it uh being sent around right now right now it's um it's being um broadcast on pbs nationally in it's we're in virtually every market and um uh and many stations will show it multiple times and or have it uh to be available for streaming at some point if my folks enjoy this interview and anyone out there who hears it wants to follow up more things to talk to you, how can they get in touch with you? Oh, they could um, uh, send me an email. Do you want uh, to give us the email address or the website? Yeah. I think it's called, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe it's your your name. Yeah, we website, vanderclute.com. And that, I love the name, by the way. Oh, that's uh, I love it. Vanderclute. 
That's uh, some places I've seen it. So the the D is capitalized and the K or just the D? The, the V, D, and K are capitalized. V, D, and K. And it's Van, all one word, Van Der All Klute. one word. Van Der Klute. Mm-hmm. So once again, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to f- thank my friend, officially William Van Der Klute, and his film Inside the Warren Commission, soon at a PBS station near you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks, Jim. I enjoyed it. Well, folks, there you have it. I don't know if we've answered all your questions about the investigation of one of the seminal incidents of the last 60 years or allayed any of your conspiracy fears. Leaving you on a lighter note, my favorite use of rampant conspiracy theories about the JFK assassination in a movie was in the movie Annie Hall. In this scene, Woody's character would rather opine on the assassination than have sex with willing Allison Porchnick, played by Carol Kane. I'm sorry, I can't go through with this because, and I can't get it off my mind, Allison. It's obsessing me. Oh, I'm getting tired of it. I need your attention. It, but it, it, it doesn't make any sense. He drove past the book depository, and the police said conclusively that it was an exit wound. So how is it possible for Oswald to have fired from two angles at once? It doesn't make sense. Alvin. I'll tell you this. He was not marksman enough to hit a moving target at that range. But... <clears throat> if there was a second assassin, it, that's it. We've been through this. It, they, they recovered through the shells from that rifle. Okay. All right, then what are you saying now? That everybody uh, on the Warren Commission is in on this conspiracy, right? Well, why not? Yeah, Earl Warren. Hey, honey, I don't know Earl Warren. Lyndon Johnson. Lyndon Lyndon Johnson is a politician. You know the ethics those guys have. It's like a a notch underneath child molester. Then everybody's in on the conspiracy. The FBI and the CIA and J. Edgar Hoover and oil companies and the Pentagon and the men's room attendant at the White House. I, I would leave out the men's room attendant. You're using this conspiracy theory as an excuse to avoid sex with me. Oh, my God. She's right. Why did I turn off Alison Porchnick? She was, she was beautiful, she was willing, she was real, intelligent. Is it the old Groucho Marx joke that, that I'm, I just don't want to belong to any club that would have someone like me for a member? So I'd like to thank you folks for kindly tuning in for another episode of Murder Most Foul. If you liked what you heard, I hope you'll tell your friends. Information about the podcast and an email link that can get a message to me can be found at the podcast's website, the address being www.murdermostfoul, all one word, no caps, no spaces, dot com. So, until we meet again, stay safe, and for God's sakes, don't murder anyone. <laughs>